There he is. everyone welcome back to another episode of the untitled broncos podcast the official podcast of our denver broncos i'm your host aaron joining me from the lost city of atlanta is uppercut of justice i think that was an apple another bite from the apple what's up aaron it's been a while how you doing man eating apples slaying poon (laughs) living the dream i hate it hate every second of it I would expect nothing less from you. With a couple of guests joining us tonight. First up is a frequent guest, DeBronx1414. Hey, everybody. You sounded you sounded exasperated saying that. Uh, I was just going to say 114 and then remembered he has two 14s in his name. And I caught myself in an awkward pause. All right. We'll try to do better on the next one. I don't know if I can. Joining us for the first time... <laughs> is a longtime Broncos Reddit user, Cleland Farrell. No, not that one. The the guy from Reddit. I could be that one. You don't know. But no, I'm not. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, sort of first time on the podcast. KJ Hamler, part two, Electric Boogaloo. I, oh, I don't know if we can use Boogaloo anymore. Um, Aaron, do you want to give a quick rundown of why he said kind of first time to embarrass me further? Yeah, well, okay, so... uh our last episode was posted a month ago now lucas shoe yeah it was a real good episode yeah it was a great episode and uh that was followed up by me taking an episode off and uppercut and cleland kind of fumbling around for an hour and a half (laughs) (laughs) and ultimately deciding hey we need to re-record this yeah well the thing the biggest conclusion we came to is that you need me Without yeah, without this podcast, without me, this podcast is nothing. But I am like the biggest conclusions we came to was that I am Batman, and uh, Hamtaro still exists. Yeah, pretty much. There's a sparkling. There you have it. There's wonderful <laughs> words of wisdom that the rest of us will never fully understand because that episode is never going to see the light of day. <laughs> I don't know. If somebody asked me for it, I'll let them have it. Uh, uh, be a personal thing. But what I'm really excited about was now that there's four, now that we've got 14 and we've got Clell and Farrell, this is a new type of format. This is a new podcast, okay? We're ascending beyond whatever the hell we were calling ourselves before. We have a Twitter page. Aaron, maybe shout that out a little bit more. I thought you'd be over all, all over that. But this will be the first official our Denver Broncos currently unnamed podcast, Blood Sports. Blood sports. Blood sports. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that Twitter handle. Uh, go ahead, get over to Twitter, follow us, smash that like button, uh, follow us at Broncos Sub Pod. So, what are we talking about, Aaron? Well, tonight we do have some blood sports going on because we have uh, two guys who are on opposite sides of the spectrum for the Broncos 2020 second round pick wide receiver KJ Hamler from Penn State. Uh, so uh, among us, this is a really divisive pick. 
Uh, I, I don't know what the general feeling is overall in Broncos country. I mean, what do you guys yeah, yeah, you think? I don't know if there is a general feeling, to be honest. There's, there's plenty of fans who are super excited about the pick. And actually, I think I've seen more fans, I'd say casual fans on Reddit, that are excited about the pick than um, that are shitting on it. But I have seen a fair amount of people not like the pick as well. But I don't think there is like a general consensus. When you say a fair amount of people, do you mean us here in the Discord? <laughs> you guys are, are the strongest voice of it, yeah. Yeah, earlier uh, we, we got into a little bit of a confrontation in the Discord. And I declared uh, myself and Uppercut and 14 the Soggy Bottom Boys because <laughs> apparently we're wet blankets. You are. Look at so, Aaron dictating what music is played at the beginning and end of this podcast already. Picked worse. But yeah, so should I just jump into why 14's wrong and I'm super correct? Or, I think or how do you let 14 start? talk first. He is taking the negative position. of if... I, don't, I don't think 14 even said hi. No, 14 didn't say hi because I, I think I talked over him. I just said hi, but yeah, I was talked over. 14, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. I'm excited to try to moderate this discussion. Chaotic good. I'm gonna let you take the chaotic part. All right, fourteen. Um, uppercuts right. You uh, you talk first. Give us <laughs> some negatives. You talk first. Go. Well, thank you. All right, so I guess. You first got to start off with setting the stage and going into this draft. I was the biggest proponent on the sub. I said, no offensive lineman at 15. You need to get yourself a wide receiver at pick 15 because obviously Cortland Sutton wasn't, he wasn't enough by himself at the end and no fan was kind of dinged up. So we were lacking in targets down the stretch. Our passing offense, people want to point to the four and one, but let's be real. You dig underneath the surface level and you see that the, the passing game wasn't dynamic at all it was better but it wasn't great and this team needed a lot of help to get better so with that we took Jerry Judy and I'll be honest wasn't my first choice but I said at the time you know I could survive with this he's a great player he fits exactly what we need let's get rolling however after that there were other needs this team had and granted wide receiver three was definitely a need because Deshaun Hamilton is way too inconsistent to be counted on going forward but having said that there are, are other positions that needed to be addressed as well. And it, it's hard to put wide receiver three as both more valuable and more of a pressing need than let's just say offensive tackle cornerback. Heck, you can even make an argument for safety being a bigger need. And cause you know, we can debate all day. Like I could say KJ Hammer sucks cause he's short. I could say KJ Hammer sucks cause he can't catch whatever. At this point, we don't know what kind of player he's going to be. My problem with it is even if he reaches his highest potential and he becomes a wide receiver three, is that very valuable? Is that worth a top 50 pick? I think no. All right. I think that's enough for the podcast, right? Yeah, we're done. Yeah, Thank good, you, good everybody, for your time. Clellan, uh, thanks for joining us. Obviously, the everything has been answered. And also, he did it by starting off uh, on, on the wrong foot, by criticizing the number one pick. Boo. I said he wasn't my preferred choice, but I said it was a good pick. That might as well say he was the worst pick. You hate him. I think his exact words were, he's a great player. 
Well, so, so I agree. I mean, well, a couple things. I agree. We needed a lot more juice um, on offense. I, I think we had a pretty solid defense last year and our team was still struggling against mediocre teams. And um, a lot of that had to do with, we were the 27th ranked offense in points per game. So it doesn't matter how many points you hold them to. If you can't put up more, if you can't put up 20 points a game yourself, you're going to lose. So well, I agree. I, I was I was surprised when they took uh, receiver back to back. I wanted. It seems like I'm in the minority. I wanted Judy over Lamb, so I was pretty pretty happy with that. But again, minority uh, in this Discord. Yeah, but not, uh, not the real world. No, but so so I was expecting. To be honest, I was expecting a cornerback in the second round. I was I was expecting like Diggs or. Fulton or Jalen Johnson, whoever. Um, but whatever, when when the pick was made, I was a little surprised. But the more I started looking into it, the more it made a little bit more, uh, made more sense. Uh, first, I I think you're getting hung up on, and I was too, on not taking a corner in the second or not taking that. Um, some Mike Fleece has come out in an article was saying that one of the reasons they felt comfortable taking KJ Hamler in the second was because they actually liked Ojemudia more than the guys that were there in the second. So they were comfortable taking him. They knew he would be available at the top of the third and they could grab the preferred corner while still getting a, a player that they, they coveted. So while I agree, I mean, I think Judy and Sutton on their own would be a great wide receiver class or, or wide receiver core, but we still needed someone to add speed to this offense, especially in Shermer's uh, three wide receiver look. And I think Hamler, I mean, they, he hits the nail on the head for, for what they want to do on that offense. And um, I get there's a lot of points held against him, you know, around size, drops, durability, whatever. And I get not wanting to draft someone that's going to be your third receiver. But I think what we're seeing on, especially within the division, it's going to be, we're going to need to score a lot of points to be able to keep up uh, with the Chiefs, hell, with maybe even the, the Chargers and potentially the Raiders. We're going to need to be able to compete on offense. And even though he might be the third receiver, I think he's going to open the offense and help and have, you're going to love this 14, an intangible effect on the rest of the receivers and just kind of the offense in general. Just to stop you there, that would be a tangible difference, <laughs> by the way. It is tangible, but you can't measure it. So that, or so it can't be tangible. You can measure him pulling coverage away from people and pulling bracketed safety coverage, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. The stat sheet won't show it, is what you're saying. I get that. Exactly. Blood sports. And I just want to <laughs> add one more point, too, because I kind of forgot. I think because during the draft, when that pick was rolling around, I said to myself, you know who's still on the board? Denzel Mims. And mm -hmm. the reason why I thought Denzel Mims made a lot of sense was because he was your prototypical outside receiver. And I get that he's a little redundant with Cortland Sutton or whatever. And I understand that the Broncos were trying to avoid that as much as possible. Fine. But I think where the KJ Hamler pick kind of gets weird for me. And that's why I was, I kind of was like, why did I want Mims? Is because Hamler, even Elway kind of alluded to it, but every scouting report on him says that he has to play in the slot. Now, I mean, I, I understand there's a lot of slot play. Okay, that's fine. But when you drafted Jerry Judy, that was a guy that when they played some of the best defenses in the country, they put him in the slot and they had him go to 
count on nickel corners. They had him use his route running to his fullest capabilities. And if you're drafting KJ Hamler, I just do you have a top 50 pick that you have to put in that slot and you're taking snaps away from Judy to be there. And I, I think you almost, you might possibly be decreasing the value of your 15th overall pick by taking a purely slot guy at 46. But, but Judy can play outside. No, I understand that. But what I'm saying though, is that part of his game is being a really good slot receiver. And by putting him solely outside, you're kind of, you're not allowing him to fully utilize his route running capabilities because there are more intricate routes with from the slot than there are from the Z spot. I almost said X, geez. Jeez. Sure. Sure. I mean, what I, I think idiot. they're going to be on the field a lot of the same time. And I, I agree. I think Hamler will be relegated to the slot more often, but um, I, I don't think that takes away anything from Judy. I, I think he's, I think he's a gifted enough athlete and route runner that he's going to be able to do damage wherever he's lined up. And there's also going to be instances where they might throw Judy in the slot and they might throw Hamler out wide and just send him deep or, or run certain routes. So I, Hamler did run, I think it was like 90% of his routes out of the slot in college. But I, I don't think that is necessarily a dig on Judy. I think they're going to put them both in positions to succeed. And I think they're, both going to complement rather than harm each other. But why, why would you, if you had a player that was spectacular at one position, why would you put them in another position just because you have somebody else who's going to do probably a worse job? Something like maybe putting Reisner at tackle because he can play it, but you are losing a, a, a very valuable, uh, probably his best position at left guard. So, well... I don't want to go into that example because there's a much more pertinent one in front of us. So you're saying... Please go into that example. No. <laughs> Please take the uh, bait. Maybe if you brought me snacks, but you didn't, so I'm just going to stick to this. So you're saying that by drafting <laughs> Hamler to play in the slot, it's hurting Judy because he can't play in the slot, but he's he could be plenty dangerous outside. So I don't I don't see I don't yeah, see plenty dangerous versus far more dangerous in a different position. I mean we don't we don't necessarily know that we don't know we that he's not do though don't we? No, I mean he he balled out. Yeah, he he played well in the slot in college, but he also do, do we do we have did you? I'm sorry if I I missed it. Did we have the percentage of snaps he took out of the slot in college, uh, Judy? I have uh, no I I don't know Judy's. I just I looked up Hamler. I know he played outside plenty more than, than Hamler. So regardless, I, having having Hamler, Judy, and Cortland Sutton on the field at the same time, I don't see how that's being construed as a negative. Because you also have the same O-line, or perhaps uh, later on when the defense is on the field, you have a maybe hindered um, uh, secondary. Well, so going back to, I'll address both those points. I don't think there's any tackle we could have taken that, would have made our O-line better this year. I, I just, I don't. I don't think Ezra Cleveland, I don't think Josh Jones would have been an upgrade over Bowles, their rookie. Um, and Yeah, but if the NFL would... does not operate on a one-year-at-a-time basis. Winning teams should <laughs> no. not operate on a one-year-at-a-time basis. We no. got the dog pile already going. And and <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. The, the second point I wanted to make... Um, is that if you believe Mike Cleese, they did address the secondary because they took a guy 
in the third they preferred over the guys that were quote unquote available in the second. Why would I trust Mike Cleese? I mean, why are we calling up Mike Cleese? <laughs> it, my my point is. <laughs> I knew it was going to be 14. Oh. Continue, I'm, I'm, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> my point being is I believe they, they did address the secondary. They seemed very high on Ojemudia, and he just wasn't as big of a name going into the draft as Trayvon Diggs or Christian Fulton, whatever. But he it doesn't mean they didn't address the secondary. Um, and I, I think I don't want to – I want to be careful with my words here because I don't want to – be uh, tied to bulls, but oh, I just don't think he's, we're frothing. I don't, I don't think he's as bad as this group. I, I don't think he's great. I think he's a serviceable starter, and I don't think he's ba- as bad as this group seems to to think. Okay. Um. The whole I, the whole fifth option is is weird. But I just don't see it as a whole this year. I don't see, see it. Well, here's the point a, though, because <laughs> you could say that left tackle. Oh. What's going on? Just the dog. I'm enjoying it. I, I'm. I'm sorry. Everybody. Well, I was the one asked to be here to shit on Hamler. I know. So let me please do, do my job. Aaron, Aaron, let him do his job. Aaron, we're I'm, being yeah. really bad interlocutor hosts right now, but it is super <laughs> funny that it's three on one. Whatever, I'll take. I can handle it. I'm really not trying to be three on one. I. I... You can go do. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> So here's the problem with saying that Ezra Cleveland isn't – you can make the argument that K.J. Hamler is more impactful day one than, say, Ezra Cleveland or Josh Jones were. And you know what? I'd probably agree with you because I do think Garrett Bowles would probably keep the job this year. However, the problem is next year he is not under contract, and considering how much hell this guy has gone through here and how much the team doesn't seem to like him, it's hard to believe he comes back. On the other side, you have Juwan James – who has an easy out in his contract next year, and the team pretty much leaked out that he was – what's the word I'm looking for here? Soft. Let's go with soft. So I'm having trouble sitting here believing that, oh, okay, this is an offensive tackle situation that is settled enough beyond this year where I could take a wide receiver three. And that's another part of my problem. So, yeah, you know what? If Ezra Cleveland was drafted and he sat a year, I really wouldn't have a problem with that because then you're looking at a guy that could potentially be your starter for three years on a cost control contract as opposed to a wide receiver three who, again, I understand that he, he could have some value with the speed. I get that. But if your O-line, if your offensive tackle situation especially is total shit, it's kind of hard to respect – 4-2 speed or whatever John Elway invented for him out there. I mean, I, I don't want to – he's not just a deep threat. So, I mean, he, he can have an impact that's not just – I understand that. Really I'm just being facetious there. But my point yeah. is that your offensive tackle situation is dire after this season. So, yes, I understand that. And further, I forgot to add this point. So my point too, though, is that, so that's your offensive tackle situation. Looking at your wide receiver and just receivers in general, you drafted Cortland Sutton two years ago. He looks like a rising star. It's hard to see him going anywhere in the next five years. You just drafted Jerry Judy. He's going to be here for ideally five years, hopefully more. Then you drafted Noah Fant last year, and you're hoping that's another guy that's here for four years. So there's really no way to look at KJ Hamler and, realistically see him becoming anything more than the fourth receiver in this offense throughout the entirety of his rookie contract. And again, 
whatever you think of him as a player, it's hard to see his value if he's the fourth receiver in an offense for the entirety of his rookie contract. Uh, possibly fifth after running backs. True. Well, a, cu- a couple things. So first, the the whole tackle situation, you're, you're speaking of it as if it's a done deal, as if we're totally fucked. And there is a possibility that we need at least one tackle next year. But there also is a possibility that we don't need any tackles. And granted, I mean, James would have to stay healthy. Um, and Bowles would have to prove that, what, those last five games aren't a fluke with Locke or that he's better with a mobile quarterback, however you want to phrase it. But there is a contract would be over. I mean, we could re-sign him. Like, yeah, yeah I, that's, I know that's, that's not a guarantee, though. As 14 said, he's been through a little bit of some, like, personal or like shit with the organization especially after them not picking up the thing i just i don't like saying that it could be a done deal even if he plays well like he might say fuck you guys i mean he could he could but my my point is writing both tackles off is worst case scenario so like yeah it we could be we could be dialed into having to take a first round tackle and addressing one in free agency we could have neither it's you're, I, I just don't think it's worth focusing on um, when it's not a glaring hole now. It could be a glaring hole in the future. It could not. So that that's kind of the first point I wanted to, to address. I mean, to, to be, be fair, the team did say they were looking to take a tackle. So you saying it's not a glaring need, they did recognize it was somewhat of a need, and it's something that needed to be addressed moving forward. That was from Elway himself. They looked to draft a tackle. I refuse to believe he's doing that, expecting Bowles and Jawan James to be his bookends. I just, I, you know, I, I don't really see that. He had every opportunity, even if he said that, he had every opportunity to draft a tackle. He could have taken Cleveland or Jones in the second. Hell, we took McKelvin Ajim one pick before Lucas Nyang. I mean, there were plenty of opportunities to take tackles. We had three thirds. He could have traded up into the second to take a tackle. So, he literally didn't even draft a tackle. We have like one undrafted. He he could have taken Trey Adams in the seventh. He could have done all these things. But from what they went on in the free agency and the draft, tackle clearly was not a high priority for them. Or else we wouldn't have KJ Ham in the second. I, I just actions speak louder than words, and I, I just don't believe that tackle was that high of a priority for them. The, the one thing I don't get is the, the declining of the fifth-year option, but I don't think anyone's going to understand that, um, why they would decline that and then not provide him with any competition. doesn't make sense, but there's no getting to the bottom of that mission. There was, uh, there was a second point you made I wanted to address, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was about – so I also don't think – well, so you're right that – Hamler could end up being fourth or fifth in targets on this offense. He could, but one, I don't think he will. I, I, I think this year Fant will be third and, and he will be fourth. But again, it's not just because he's fourth targeted doesn't mean he's the fourth receiver. If he's having impact and, and creating single coverage or creating open mid- middle of the fields, I mean, he's going to be having an impact on every single play. He's too fast to not have – I mean, he's he's too fast and he's too dangerous and too good of a vertical route runner to just leave on his own. They're always going to either and, – and if he's playing out of the slot, they can't press it. So there's always going to have to be a safety over the top watching where he is, 
and that's going to leave single coverage for Judy or Sutton or whoever. So, well, if I can piggyback on that real quick, uh, 14 back when you and I did the pre-draft wide receivers uh, preview, and we talked about finding a receiver to complement Sutton. And actually the, one of the most important things that, that you picked out for uh, in favor of CD lamb was that he would help take the defensive secondaries focus away from Sutton in ways that Judy probably can't. So just, just to back Cleveland up for once there, instead of continuing to pile on. <laughs> well, see, but CD lamb does that as your number two receiver. So he, I knew that that was going to be also getting peppered with plenty of targets <laughs> when you're doing that. When, when your fourth receiver is essentially a deep, no, nah, I don't want to say decoy because that's stupid because people say that on the sub and it pisses me off. He's definitely not going to be a decoy. But when you look at Pat Shermer's offenses, and I did this, I went back and I got the numbers on his top three receivers. Each year he was an offensive coordinator. Let me pull those up real quick. The wide receiver three was only the third leading receiver in Pat Shermer's offense last year. That was because Evan Ingram, who was on pace to have a monster target season, and I think Noah Fant is in line for something similar, was hurt most of the year. So Sterling Shepard got the third most uh, receiving yards while also being the third overall wide receiver. Why am I saying this so dumb? Did that come out clear? Am I being stupid? Okay, let me try that one more time. Pat Shermer has been an offensive coordinator or head coach calling offensive plays for 10 years. Only one of those seasons was the third wide receiver, the third leading receiver in the entire offense, regardless of position. That was last year with Evan Ingram being hurt most of the season, and he was on pace to, I I think he actually was on pace to have the most targets in the entire offense. So anyway, having said that, the third wide receiver in Pat Shermer's offense averages 35 catches a year, 376 yards a season and little less than two touchdowns a year. And so you could say, Hey, 14 KJ Hamler is going to be way better than let me look at some of these names. Cause they are terrible. Laquan Treadwell was it one year Cordero Patterson, another. Okay. Yeah. KJ Hamler should be better than these bumps, which are both first round picks, but neither here nor there. The best season, the third wide receiver has had in a Pat Shermer offense was 57 catches, 576 yards, three touchdowns. So I'm kind of rambling on here. I kind of forgot where I was going to end this point. But if you put those averages, hell, if you even take the best wide receiver three year in a Pat Shermer offense, that's not worth the 46 pick in any, any draft whatsoever. Anyway, I'm ending my point there. Those numbers suck for a 46 pick. So, so to, to rebuttal that, I mean, I so I I made a little spreadsheet um, over the past six years of Shermer as a play caller just to see kind of where he broke down uh, targets. And yeah, it's even if the third receiver hasn't had that much involvement in the past, one thing that's apparent from these numbers is Shermer changes he changes his offense based on his personnel. In 2013, when he was the offensive coordinator for or when he was the play caller for the Eagles. The tight end group, all tight ends total, had 57 targets. All running backs had 82 targets, 57 and 82. The next year, which I believe was when Zach Ertz was drafted, um, he now had Selleck and Ertz. He went from 57 targets to their tight end to 140. And the year after that, he had 151. 
again, from 2013, he had 82 targets to the running backs. In 2015, he had 166, literally double. And I believe that's when they got Sproles um, or someone. But the point being, just because he hasn't done it historically doesn't mean he's not going to game plan around it. I don't think he's going to remove – if he has all this talent, I don't think he's going to stick to his game plan. I think he'll change up what he's doing. And again, even when KJ Hamler is not getting the ball, he is going to be making an impact with every other pass catcher on the field. And that's going to be huge going back to our 27th ranked scoring offense last year. I mean, we're, I get the, I get why they put so much um, emphasis on weapons because we had none. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of on waiting for Tim Patrick and Deshaun to break out. Uh, we finally have Listen, this. Again, I, understand that yeah tim patrick deshaun hamilton they needed to go it i've said before i was an advocate of getting another receiver i just my problem is again is doing it with 46 pick and i understand the speed is a component but there are speed guys in pretty much every draft and hell marquise goodwin runs a 4 240 he got traded to the eagles for a six round pick if you needed a guy to be that decoy to be your fifth receiving option you could have given up whatever what did the eagles give up a sixth that's you could have gotten that. I just don't understand why a top fifty pick, four years of control on a top prospect. Because like again, I, I understand your sentiment, but the the difference between Marquise Goodwin, who has literally been a deep threat only for his entire career and not even a good one, um, comparing that to to KJ Hamler, who is a legitimate complete receiver, is he's not. He plays only in the slot. We've established this. I don't know why I sound so mean now. I'm just very tired. I am sorry. God damn Are you it. saying he's not a good receiver? Yeah, I'm saying we have established that he plays primarily slot. And due to his I mean, size, it's hard to see him playing a ton of outside. He's KJ Hamler, it's hard to argue, is a complete receiver. But the thing is, what, what I mean by complete receiver, you can be a complete receiver and play out of the slot. That's fine. It's, it's, that he's, seems, not okay. he's not just a deep He's not just a deep Is Julian Edelman a complete receiver? I mean, he... What? Is Julian Edelman a complete receiver? I mean, I'd I'd say so. He's not. The answer is no. So, but why am I being so mean today? I well, you're just you're. It's 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 after 10 p.m. in New Jersey. It just happens. Uh, I, I just again, I apologize. It 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 seems I I I think I think it's important though. I think it's important if you're going to continue this kind of like incommensurability here to define complete receiver because it sounds like Clellan, you're talking about complete being high production even if it is from a singular role but if if you know a production is high enough that's what it's sounding like to me whereas 14 is saying like a complete receiver is somebody who can you can put anywhere and expect production or quality production if is is that sound correct for both of you yeah and and i'll change my i'll change my terminology what instead of complete receiver I'll just say he's not a one-trick pony. He's not a go-route. He's not a just-run-fast guy. He understands he's a really good route runner. He understands uh, leverage. He gets an insane amount of separation on slants, on out-routes, on go-routes, on over-the-middle. I mean, he he runs a, a wide variety of routes, granted, from the slot, but he's not just a Marquise Goodwin. And, yeah, we could have gone – we could have gotten – gone for Nelson Aguilar or, or or someone that could just take the, the um, top off a, a defense. But I think K, 
KJ Hamler brings more value. And yeah, I get there's a public share. My question is, is his, is his value, because this is what I believe. I want to see if you believe this. I believe his value as a receiver, even with his speed taking top off of defense, it's capped if he's going to be the fourth or fifth or possibly even lower in terms of targets and whatnot. I think that decreases his value. I, I assume you do not believe that. No, I, I think it does, but I, I just don't think it does as much. I, I think that, again, he is going to be providing lots of value even when he is not the one target. I mean, in college, and I talked about this on the first podcast, in college, he was literally, the cornerbacks were giving him a 12-yard cushion and still turning their hips immediately. And he That's was that still- That's speed, baby. I mean, <laughs> he's, it's, he's, he's fast, and, and everyone knows that by looking at tape, but more importantly, or I don't know, more importantly, just as important, his acceleration is what makes him so insane. I mean, the hesitation he can make at the top of a route, make a corner freeze, and then turn on the jets, he has five yards of separation and it won't be as much in the NFL as in college, but corners are, are still going to have a lot of trouble keeping up with his speed. He didn't run an official combine. The, the number that was thrown out from um, Penn State was like a 4.27 or 4.28, and he was second uh, in betting behind Ruggs for fastest 40 combine. So, By the way, Chenault ran a 4.3 at Colorado. He ran a what? A 4.3 according to Colorado. I, I didn't hear what you said. What did he run? According really? to Colorado, oh. he ran a four three forty. Oh, four three. Rabiska Chenault. Yeah, I don't know what he ran. I know his combine wasn't accurate because it looked like he got injured during it. But I, I think fourteen's yeah, point I mean, is that colleges often inflate the numbers of their own prospects. Right, of course, but we don't have. I mean, I don't have an official number to quote. Uh, the you know Alberto was training with him, said he was regularly running in the four threes. Wouldn't surprise him if he was in the four, high four twos at the combine. Um, obviously, we don't have you know he ran a he ran a three nine from the kick return touchdown um, on television. No, on on TV. But his his speed is apparent in in game. So I mean, it backs up whether he's a four two high four two guy, low four three. I, I don't think he's. I, I think it's fair to say he's worst case a four three guy like mid four threes, which is still stupid fast. So he's just going to add an element to the rest of our offense where he's opening up single coverage. He's opening up the middle of the field, or if they don't respect him, he's taking, he's literally behind the defense and he's, if he catches it, it's a touchdown. So I get what you're saying, but he just, he, he adds an element to the offense that we don't have on the roster. And that's going to allow us to, to stay competitive in games. And I understand that, but uh, again, I just have trouble seeing that value being more valuable than an offensive tackle that would start next year and then for ideally three total years on a rookie contract, a cornerback that could start for potentially four years, or, I mean, even safety. You could look at safety. Kareem Jackson's contract could be off the books next year, and we have nothing in in terms of depth. So, again, I understand – my thing is K.J. Hamler can reach his potential, and unless someone is a bust ahead of him, he's still a fourth or fifth receiving option in this offense. I know I'm repeating myself, but I just I, I keep coming back. It's hard to buy it from that standpoint. You are, but, I mean, uh, the third or fourth or fifth in the right offense still can be productive. I mean, granted, 
this is a outlandish uh, comparison because that's it was Peyton in like the highest. Don't send the 2013 time. offense, please. Do not, please don't. <laughs> but you know, we had three good wide receivers. We had a good tight end. We had a good run. Like we had that. Corner. Who was in? Who was a? Uh, who was a? Uh, crap! There was someone else in that offense too. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. You're thinking of Ryan Harris? Ryan Harris, that's it. There you go. I got you. Our tackles weren't that good in that offense either. Ryan Clady was out. We had Clark, and we had... So you're getting real close to... Come on, to come on. Maybe a blasphemous... Judy, Judy, come on. We're getting close. So I, I think that means that Locke is the there next big man, right? Boom. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the, star, the, yeah. the straw that stirs the drink. All right, so are we done? Are we done here? Or you guys I think, yet? I think I think we should be ready to pivot. <laughs> no, so I'll, I'll take Paul. I just think I can't fucking believe. Paul me a culpa for me. I'm sorry. I kept dragging that down and making the same point over and over again. <laughs> I, I I get what you're saying with tackle, but so let me let me put it. I mean, again, way. my point is it's not just tackle though. You could look at three other positions that could use a starter in a year. You can't look at wide receiver and say, wow, there's like a a top two spot opening up in the near future. Heck, even with Noah Fant, he could arguably be the third receiving option in the offense. He should be. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, so let, let me let me try something. You you had mentioned they could have taken a corner that could have started for four years. So let's let's say that the that Mike Cleese's quote about Ojemudia, um, that they liked him more than the Diggs or or Fulton or whatever. Let's say that's true. And let's just flip the flip the script. If let's say, so let's just say Ojemudia or we'll say Diggs just for name recognition value. Let's say they took Diggs in the second and Hamler in the third. Would you still have been pissed? No, because a, a top two corner with a top 50 pick makes sense. So with, by that same logic, if they actually preferred Ojemudia to Diggs, we actually got a better haul there. Uh, uppercut, give them your uh, reasons they ask you to show your work on a math problem. What? <laughs> you don't remember this from draft night. You talked about why they ask, why teachers ask you to show your work when you do a math problem. Yeah, you have to show your work so it, it, it displays that you know how to get to the answer, not necessarily that the answer is correct. And Clellan and I went over this in the in the uh, secret, clandestine, unreleased, uh, raw, behind the secret episode. Ooh. Yeah, behind the curtain, behind the scenes. Um, the difference between right and correct and the potential authority fans have in, in, in kind of uh, criticizing a professional team. Um, I don't know what you want me to do with that info, though, Aaron. I want you to explain it for the listeners. Did I do it? I, I think you just did. I guess you did. Okay. I, I mean, am I, am I wrong? I mean, so you're saying that, yeah, if KJ Hamler was taken later in the draft, sure. I mean, would, would I like OJ Moody at 46? I can't really see myself jumping up for joy with that. I mean, I could see the positional value if they viewed him as a day one starting corner. Now, I think you're giving this Mike Cleese, excuse me, Mike Cleese report a little too much uh, credence because he's gassing up the pick after it was made. So 
I'm not sure you can 100% buy that. And he's been known to, you know, s- scratch some backs over at Dove Valley. Here, a better example would have been, because I actually said this on draft night, if you had switched the Lloyd Cushenberry pick with KJ Hamler, right? So you take Cushenberry at 46 and then Hamler at whatever, 90 something. Yeah, I would have been jumping for joy. But again, it's just. No, I, no you go. I mean, the, the thing is, they they said that they were targeting KJ Hamler in the second before the draft. But they also said they were trying to trade up in the first round for Patrick Queen. So I don't know. Wait, sorry. They they said they were trying to trade up in the what? In the first round, from they were trying to trade up from forty six to the first round to get Patrick Queen. So they had a lot of plans. Oh, well, I did not hear that, but. What I what I had read was they they were planning they wanted KJ Hamler in the second that was that was a target of theirs they um, yeah, they said it was out. a target I think that's very important a target True. because there were tackles targeted there were linebackers targeted they ended up with KJ Hamler and even if the team was targeting KJ Hamler fuck them uh, I'm gonna criticize the pick regardless I think it was kind of dumb bad allocation of resources. But I mean, uh, and yeah, again, this could this could all be gassy at the pick. It was all afterwards. They're not going to share their targets before the draft. Um, but I believe, I mean, I believe them when they say that. Well, I don't know if I, but I I want to try to believe them when they say that they felt comfortable taking Hamler in the second because they knew Ojemudia would be there in the third, who would fill that need. And I think everyone in this room would agree that cornerback was a higher priority on our list than a second wide receiver. So if they felt like they could take that luxury pick of a second wide receiver and still get a quality cornerback, who am I to disagree? Who is anybody to disagree then? Uh, this is we're here. We're here now, Clubwin. You did it. Why is there? Where, why are there social media uh, uh, pages and and Reddit pages devoted to critique and analyzation and conversation and discussion about? anything ever that happens in a competitive space. Why are there journalists and analysts that go over things if we're just going to be required to default to team decisions being the correct one every time regardless? And because we're bored and we like to argue. That's not that's not the answer. <laughs> that's the real answer. That's that's the truth right there. But no, the, that doesn't have anything to do with my question though. Because we're bored, I I was asking like a, a different thing. And you were just going like eh because we're bored. I'm saying what authority does anybody have other than the team to say anything? I mean, no there's one's been correct. several times when people like I've been correct in 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 criticizing the team, things like with um uh Paxton Lynch even. I you know, I wasn't doing it through expert analysis because I wasn't an expert or an analyst, but you know, I still thought less of the pick than a lot of people and it ended up being like, "Oh, shit." No, I mean, again, no one's going to be correct all the time. Um, but ultimately, okay. your argument is coming down to why you can't criticize the team. Like, that's what you're saying when you go, like, the team said they were targeting specific people, so I'm just going to default to them. Like, then why are you talking at all, I guess? No, uh, I mean, that, that came across really fucking mean. Holy shit. No. <laughs> the, the, the way what – what I meant when I said that is – was – solely to address that I don't think we skipped on addressing the cornerback position. And it was to, that was, that's the whole point is I think if they came in with a plan and they were 
they knew they needed a cornerback and they're comfortable taking Ojemudia, I think then I don't, I, I'm not going to criticize Ojemudia pick and I'm going to assume that we address cornerback. That's, that's yeah. what I'm. So it does make sense. Your revelry for Mike Kliss right now is, is what I think. Mike Kliss. Mike Kliss. I'm sorry. Very sorry. Apologies, Mike. I mean, I usually don't, I don't know. I usually don't love his stuff, but I, I thought that was an interesting point. And it almost sounds you know, like he's... they're trying to justify the pick, though. No, I mean you could easily interpret that as, yeah, they're saying this so that people who were concerned about cornerback can, you know, sit home fat and happy. I mean, maybe, or they could be telling the truth. I, based on the evidence laid out, I, I'm more inclined to believe them. If if they based on the evidence of the picks they made, you're. I mean, based on the evidence of, you know, of the pick they made you go sorry yeah the the the, the police have conducted an, uh, an investigation to police wrongdoing and have found none like i i, I don't no, know of course, of course but what i'm saying is it's not just ojemudia pick it's the fact that there were a number of of quote-unquote premier corners available when they were picking in the second correct and the fact that they felt comfortable passing on all of them. Just dumb. What, it doesn't make sense to me if they weren't a believer in Ojim. If they didn't think he was a similar caliber player, and if they thought, again, I mean, it's just trying to, to change the narrative. If they had taken Diggs in the second, and they, they believe they're similar, and they took Hamler in the third, 14 would be ecstatic. So rather than judging yeah, wherever a better player. They would have Diggs and Hamler instead of Diggs and Ojemudia. Maybe. I mean, Diggs, we have no idea. Diggs could suck. Um, we do have Ojemudia an idea, great. though. Like, these aren't people that we plucked from darkness. These these are people that have, you know, rankings all about them. And, and you know, I I looked at cornerbacks with my very, very layman's eye. Um, 14 has some playing history. There's a lot of people with a lot of analytical ability and, and experience who, you know, gave us ideas of rankings. Um, it, it, you can't just say it's like it's a crapshoot because it's the draft and everybody could end up better than everybody else. Like, yeah, we have projections, though, to the best of our ability, and it's still vastly incorrect, but it's way more correct when you have those projections than if you right. just pluck them from darkness. So it's weird to say something like, you know, if we would have had digs, it would have been better. Yeah, well, yeah, it would have well, been because he's projected to have been a better player. Right. And it's just, it's obviously a hypothetical to try and prove a point. If we had taken digs, Hamler wouldn't be there and we would have taken someone else and had a lesser wide receiver. So the, the same is true for both ways. Yeah, but we didn't Again, it, need the wide receiver as much as other stuff. We already got the wide receiver I mean, at that point. Had, we could have had Devin Duvernay. I don't think he's the same type he's of player. He's super speedy. He's a little pimple. Yeah, but this the whole thing is that Hamler is not – you can't just replace the player that Hamler is with any other fast player. He's yeah, different. You could have replaced or filled in a cornerback spot. Which they did. With a lesser player projection-wise. Maybe, but they still filled it. Maybe. I hate you. You're my, I mean, you're what my you arch nemesis. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I'm so sorry, Julian. Pine Dog. You're you're now free. 
It's now Clellan. <laughs> Good. I'm just I'm confused with something here, Clellan, because you, you're saying that yeah. well, Hamler is absolutely better than, for example, Devin Duvernay, but you're also saying that we can't just assume that Trevon Diggs is better than Michael Ojemudia. And you're not providing a reason for either of those. You could reverse the logic on me. It is a little hypocritical. Um, not I've a watched little. more. Okay, it's very hypocritical. Um, I think it's sans adjective. Sans adjective. I just... And it's... I haven't watched... I watched a little bit of DuVernay's uh, film. I've watched more of, of Hamler, obviously, because we drafted him. Um, I just like what I see there more, and no, no, I think I'm not he... trying to make this. I'm not trying to make this a discussion no. about Hamler versus Duvernay. It's he did this. this he did this shit time. last time. He did it in the <sighs> secret episode where I would say I would give an example about using players, and he would talk about the players, and I was like, no, no, no. The scenario is what I want to talk about. You did this shit exactly. last time, Clayton. You're my and, and honestly, enemy. You're my goddamn <laughs> enemy. And I, I feel like we are all getting to the point right now of talking in circles because. Yeah. Uh, I think we're arguing different things. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, uppercut in 14. We don't have necessarily problems with KJ Hamler, the player. In a vacuum, if you were just to show me a flashcard of KJ Hamler and you go shrug yes or shrug no, I go like, yeah, sure, why not? But when you go like, here's a bunch of flashcards with a bunch of players and you go, you put like KJ Hamler's on top of somebody like Diggs or various other players I might have thought were better at the time who I don't remember now and never will. I'm just mad about Hamler. Uh, I go like, mm, no, shrug down. Do better. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm getting to that. So it, I think the, the major argument from our standpoint against KJ Hamler isn't that it's KJ Hamler. It's resource allocation, which somebody yeah. said earlier. And to be fair, my opening point was saying that even if my, my point was even if Hamler reaches his potential, his value is still capped based on who else is on the roster. Yes, I agree. I have no problem with KJ Hamler in a vacuum. If we got KJ Hamler for a ham sandwich, I would be doing backflips. Ham on rye. Uh, I'm a whole weak guy, but I could do rye. Yeah, but ham on rye has quotes. So I can. It's a whole thing. Very well. Just just as an aside about KJ Hamler, real quick. Um, I fucking love that kid. Like as a person, he seems great. I like his family dynamic. I like his attitude. I like his uh, seeing work ethic. I like some of his uh, more social views he's let out recently. I fucking love that kid. Tangent over. I do want to make that clear. I, I don't think any of us are arguing against or, or rooting, I should say, against KJ Hamler. Let, let's make. Let, let that... I like being right a little bit more than I like anybody. You're not rooting against him, though. Yeah, but I would be right, though. As long yeah, as he's in the you're... slot and uh, consistently the fourth receiver in the offense, I'll feel good about my being correct. <laughs> you guys are the worst. If he goes outside, I'm going to my alt full-time. To go, to go back <laughs> to your point, Aaron, um, you're right. It, was, it is hypocritical logic, and I take it back, and my foot is fully in my mouth. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just a feeling. They had a, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna go back in circles and repeat myself, but I, I understand where you guys are coming from. I, I'm okay with Ojemudia. The more I've read about him, so I'm fine with the cornerback. I get 
I get the tackle position, but it's just, I don't know. It, it's just weird to me that they didn't address it at all. And it, it just shows that I think they have more faith in the position. And frankly, I have more faith in the position than, than the rest of you do. I fucking the believe... most generous, generous <laughs> person on earth. I believe I mean, that's a conversation for another time because I you could. Look at, you look at the team, make a decision, and you go, team knows best. And I look at the team, make a decision, and I go, fire everybody. <laughs> it depends. It depends on the personnel, but I, I like the personnel, the coaching we have yeah, on you the like team. Yeah, Tom McMahon. The special teams coordinator? Mm-hmm. I have no opinion on our special teams. I, I, I'm not the coaches. I'm not going to pretend like I know special teams well enough to know individual coaches' philosophies and comments. You like Fangio and as a head coach? I like Fangio as a head coach, but that's different. What do you do as a head coach that made you like him? Not defensive coordinator, head coach. I liked how blunt he was with the media. Wow, and that's I think a weird thing to like about a head coach. Snarkily eating your apple. Yeah. I'm the villain here. There is Clearly. no chance you sell that first apple. Yeah? Have you ever bought one apple before? No, who buys one apple? Plenty of people buy one apple. Yeah. Apples are expensive. I can it costs more to buy an apple here than it does a cheeseburger. Alright? Food deserts. It's a thing. Wait, what? How? I, I'm so confused. Are you talking about like a McDonald's? Either way, even if it was a dollar cheeseburger, how expensive are your apples? Like a buck sixty. That's expensive. I mean, I'm not buying a tiny ass little Fuji apple. All right, well, sa- savor each bite of that. If apple. we can go back to the coaching uh, philosophies for I, a second, I, though, I, I really like Zach Azani's, the wide receiver coach, where he just wants all the top fifty picks in his room. That's a good <laughs> philosophy to have. That's how you keep a job. I mean, um, I forget what we were talking about before this. Oh well, I'll I'll pivot it, or I'll not pivot it. I'll toss it over to fourteen. How do you? What do you think of uh, Fangio as a head coach? Uh, Jerry's still out. I, I like him a lot. I think his defense is good. and I think he showed signs that he wants the offense to not just be good, obviously, because Vance Joseph said that a thousand times, but he does seem to want a modern offense. So I give him credit for that. However, I'm still reeling from the fact that he thought Joe Flacco could lead that. Yeah. Do Are we, are we switching to dogpiling Aaron? No, I just shit on Joe Flacco dog- any chance I get. There's nothing to dog. Nothing to dogpile there. What was that pivot you were talking about, Aaron? I want to move away from talking about the resource allocation and all of these negatives about why we don't like the KJ Hamler pick. And I want to talk about KJ Hamler, the player, a little bit more in depth. I want to talk about some of his college tape. I want to talk about some of his shortcomings and his strengths. And Oh, my God. It's a closer look. Okay. Um, he, you want... he turned it into a closer look. It, this is a review of a draft pick episode. That's that's the point. Mm-hmm. So do you want me to jump in, or do you want to bring up certain strengths or weaknesses one at a time and we can discuss? I want to talk about the elephant in the room. Give me that. The first the elephant in the room. Give me that pachyderm. I want to talk about the boatload of drops he had last year. He dropped an elephant amount of balls. So, he did drop a lot of balls. I think it was like 17, which is really high. Um, however, 
when when you're looking at drops, I think or a player with drops, I think you have to look at why they're dropping the ball. Um, and it's not because he had... this this guy just said however to all those drops. He just said however. How are we gonna pivot? Tell me, tell me why I'm not supposed to be paranoid right now. So I, I mean, so first off, the reason he, if you look at his drops, it's because he's trying to make a play too early. He's just trying to. He's either trying to catch it with his chest more than he should, which is more rare. The I think most of them come from he's trying to turn up field and make a play before he secured the ball, which both of those things are coachable. Um, also, to get stat nerd on you guys, there was an analysis done, and I'm pulling it up right now, that showed there is extremely little correlation between – Drops at the college level, drop rate at the college level, and drop rate in the NFL. What does extremely um, little mean? The so I don't know if you guys uh, handler size. The the R squared. So the R squared, the which measures the amount of variance, was mm-hmm. less than 0.1, which is like literally minuscule. It means there's no, there is extremely little correlation um, between drop rate in college and drop rate in the NFL. We talked about this in the first episode with Deshaun Hamilton having no issues with drops in college and now he has feet for hands in the NFL. And so it's a guarantee he won't drop balls. No, it's not a guarantee, but it's also not a guarantee that he will. I, I think I need you to speak to me in absolutes right now. Well, no absolutes for you. Oh my I god. Don't, unfortunately I can't see the future. Um I know it's really disappointing, but you can't. Okay, no, never mind. I'm gonna leave it alone. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so, I mean, there's. He did have drops. I think those drops are correctable, um, but it is it is definitely something to, that is worrisome. But I think it's something that he can be coached out of. Okay, the second elephant in the room is because I don't think we're gonna get anywhere with that. I, I don't. I don't think. The other problem that is glaring is the fact that he's pretty small. KJ Hamler is not a big fella. So how much is that going to limit him in the NFL? T.Y. Hilton. I mean, he's, he is small, but, and thank you for the, the segue. Um, he is small, but it's not like he's so small that this is, he's not, he's not um, Kyler Murray. He's not so small that no one's ever He's shorter than Kyle Murray. Yeah, he is shorter, but there have been shorter receivers. There have been plenty of similar-sized receivers that have been successful in the NFL. Like he mentioned, T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton was – or so first off, let's mention how big K.J. K.J. Hamler at the Combine was 5'9", 178 pounds. 5'8", and three-quarters was the number I got. Well – I'm I'm saying five nine because that's on my screen and I'm because that, that helps your point for you. Another another page, so five nine one seventy eight. Ty Hilton is five ten one eighty three. Hollywood Brown was five nine one seventy. John Brown five ten one seventy eight. Tyler Lockett five ten one eighty two. I mean, T- Tyree Kill five ten one eighty five. All those guys, it's less than an inch and ten pounds. I mean, he's small, yes. I mean, he's bigger than Deshaun Jackson was at the combine. He's small, but he's not so small that we haven't seen guys thrive at his size. Not not only that is a lot of the time people think small um, means that he's not durable. But 
and then he's gonna get he's gonna take a shot over the middle, get injured, whatever. It's worth noting that in his two years in college, he never missed a game due to injury, um, and he's pretty strong for his size. Even though he's 178 pounds, he put up 225 like 15 times at the combine, and he's not the best blocker, but he definitely gets in there and puts effort, which can still impact the play. If we're you know running the ball, he's probably not going to be out there blocking, but. Um, I just I don't see his size being that big of an issue, seeing as there are so many successful receivers that are similar size, and he doesn't have an issue with injury. Did Philip? Did Philip? Did Philip Lindsay have injury issues while he was in college? I have no. I genuinely I don't, don't know. I don't think so. Why? Uh, because he got injured in the NFL and he's little and I was going to attribute it both. So I was going to do whatever I needed to, to inform my argument, bad faith or whatever. Yeah. I know a no. uh, Colorado guy, I'm going to get scoffed at for defending Lindsay, but his wrist injury, I don't think it had anything to do with his size. I had a little wrist. Well, also Lindsay, what touches the ball and gets tackled like 250 times a year, whereas Hamler is going to get tackled 40 to 50 times. Maybe. That's a really good, um, really good second round pick. It's gonna get 40, 40 tackles. Get no, the, the reason the reason it's only forty is because a lot of the time he's gonna score touchdowns. So mm-hmm. he'll probably have like 20, 25 touchdowns. I mean, that's a decent know. cover, but yeah, you know, like seventy. A, catches. It was certainly a uh, quickly shuffled one. Again, I mean, I, if you're looking, if you're gonna just look at box scores. And you're just going to say, oh, he only had this many catches. He only had this many yards. You're going to be disappointed with the pick. But if you watch the game, if you watch how he opens the field, you're going to see the value, in my opinion. But, so, I mean, those are the two elephants. I think I addressed them. Are there any questions, rebuttals around drops or size? I'm going to take that as a no. 14, are you still here? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. It was just a little bit too jovial for your uh, late night New Jersey self. Yeah, fair. I just just kind of zoning out, if I'm being honest. But yeah, he's small, whatever. There's statistical outliers that were good, so KJ Hamler, therefore, will be good. I get plenty of successful short receivers. So yeah. No, I mean, I don't think his size guarantees he will be bad I, I think if anyone's saying that they're being disingenuous however on top of making a tough transition from the college game to the pro game you're doing that at a significantly smaller size and sure people have done it before but it, again it makes it tougher for you so we'll see I don't think I think the way his game's played it's really not going to be that big of an issue because I don't see him making too many contested catches I think he's going to be a guy to get the ball in space so his size isn't my biggest concern it's more of a concern that it affects his role but i don't don't look at his size like oh well now he'll suck no i just think it's okay you're probably gonna have to sit in the slot your entire career and that's fair i think you i think he will sit in the slot but like you said he's i think with the way he plays and the amount of separation he's gonna get he's not gonna be having to make these contested catches over cornerback to me he seems like the kind of guy who's going to be thrown when he's open. I have a question. Uh, 
are Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler ever going to be covered at the same time? Are they what? Are they ever going to be covered at the same time? Like, can a team cover them both on the same play? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yes. It is possible. No, I'm just teasing because it everyone, is, people love to say, oh, who are you going to, co- how are you going to cover them? So I'm just being a dick. I mean, I, the thing is, I, I think, I think that there will, there always is going to be a single coverage now. I think a safety, in my opinion, a safety is always going to be, have his eye on, on Hamler and be making sure he doesn't get over the top. I could see, I know Judy's, one of his weaknesses is press coverage, depending on who you ask. So if, if the outside corner presses him, if the slot corner and the one safety takes Hamler, that opens up single coverage for Sutton. I mean, there will be, there will be that kind of thing. And I'm hoping for uh, an offense where it's just so loaded that someone's always open and, and everyone's sharing the love and making plays and bringing us to an above average offense that can give the defense breathers because I mean, I, I think we all believe in the defense or I won't speak for you guys. Actually, I believe in the defense. So if the offense can become average, I think we can win a lot more games. Oh, um, I don't like hearing that anymore. That seemed to Why be not? the motto for the past like four years. If the offense can just be average, they'd yeah, be it, fine. And actually, has, if you look but, it up, 2018 was a relatively average offense. But I agree, they're making the steps to get above average. I just, I'm kind of with uppercut there. That's a big uh, no-no for me. In 2018, we were 23rd scoring uh, points per game. So we were still, we, keep, we say it every year, but we're below average every single year. Did the Cowboys make the playoffs this year? No. Mm. Okay. I... <laughs> <laughs> I just I like the pause, Aaron. I like you thinking about it. You questioning whether you were going to ask a follow up or just let it go, and you ultimately went, "No, I got to know. I don't know why you asked that dumbass fucking question." I have I to. Know, bite. There's, there's there's some motivated reasoning in my que- in my question. I I wondered. Do uh, Clellan or 14, do you know why I asked that? I'm guessing it's because they have a really a lot of talent on their offense. Or they, they have, have three the receivers. Last year. Oh, yeah. They had the number one offense last year. Not in scoring. In 2019, Baltimore, Dallas was fourth. It oh, was those Ravens bombs. were one. Fourth? Yeah. Jesus. Fourth. How do they even let them in they the National Football League? Scrubs. They're the Cowboys. I, I want to ask about the thing that's kind of been implied by you, Clellan, uh, by a lot of these, this, the, those conversations. What do you think Locke is going to do? In terms of what? In terms of stat line? Production or... success. Because a lot of what you're saying sounds like it hinges on having at least good quarterback play. I, I mean... Well, first, I think you got to define what good quarterback play is because I think that is different to, to everyone. But to be honest, I don't know. I mean, projecting, projecting a five-game sample from a rookie quarterback, in my opinion, a badly implemented system, there's, just, there's too many variables to know what it's going to look like in a shotgun offense with more weapons around it. Um, 
and in a, in just an offense that takes more shots downfield and isn't just doing <laughs> tight end end arounds. Um, so it, it's hard to say. I, I believe that he could be good, and we could have – I mean, he has the potential to hit 4,000 passing yards. Um, I don't think he – I'm not expecting him to, but I could see it. I could see him 60% pass completion, 4,000 yards, and 25 touchdowns. I think that's a very uh, – that's a, a potential stat line that he can hit. But to be honest, I have no fucking clue. And there's just – there's too much change from one year to the other. And if I give my other reason of the team seems to love him and have built it around him, you're going to go back to, well, if the team did it, it must be right, and I just don't want to start that deal. So I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I do want to clarify the the stat I wantonly threw out earlier about the Dallas Cowboys being the number one offense. That would be by yards or yards per game and yards, it looks like. But 14, what do you think about Locke? I'm actually really high on him because he was my number two quarterback that year. I like Kyler better, but obviously L.A. has his thoughts on quarterback height. But, yeah, no, I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd rather have him than Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind over that, especially Dwayne Haskins because, I mean, I feel like kind of piling on him now, but I don't know. His He wasn't overly impressive to me because people were always like, oh, he smoked Michigan. Well, first off, Michigan's slow as fuck. Jerry Judy burnt them twice. K.J. Ham, everyone burns them. K.J. Hamler burned them twice too. Neither here nor there, but he threw like five – he threw a ridiculous amount of touchdowns. Half of them came off of like – you know, crossing routes at the line of scrimmage. The guy took 75 yards for a touchdown. So that's my uh, yeah. Dwayne Haskins sucks take. I hate, I did not like him coming out. Yeah, but he's skinny now. Yeah, that, Didn't you see? The sub loved him too. I remember that. They, everyone everyone on the sub wanted Haskins at 10. I was like, please don't. That was really strange. I didn't even see much hype around him outside of the sub. I think uh, something that happened with him is kind of similar to what happened with Jerry Judy. There was that route running buzzword that everybody clung to about Judy. Uh, for Haskins, from from my perspective experience, uh, it was football IQ. Oh, but he's cerebral. He sees the field. He's a field general. All of those type of cliches. I saw a lot when people were talking about Dwayne Haskins. I, I, remember, I remember hearing that or he had a really good arm and he could make whatever arm whatever throw he needed to but i remember the biggest thing that was harped over and over was his anticipation his throw throws uh throwing anticipation into windows which is usually a good trait but i i agree when with 14 once i started looking more into it he threw a lot of passes near the line of scrimmage and then let i think it was like kurt samuel and whoever else just yards after the catch boosted his stat line like crazy and then how about daniel jones right how does the state of new jersey feel about the giants uh they're still gonna suck but a lot of people like jones i i actually like them too he looked pretty good as a rookie i'm not gonna lie and his line sucked worse than ours by far at least that tackle how much better did you think Locke lock was than jones um I, I think better because Daniel Jones thing was that he had Saquon Barkley even when he was hurt and then he had better weapons around him. So like you could see him move the ball more, but Daniel Jones was like, he made some decisions that you're just like, all right, dude, like you're not being a gunslinger. You're just 
being ridiculously, you know, reckless with the ball. And I thought Locke, that's what he showed. He, he was, he was reckless or not reckless. I'm sorry, but he was willing to fit tight holes, but like there was logic. You could see it with Jones. There was some throws where I was like, I don't know about that. And he fumbled. it. Yeah. Do you have that fumble number? Because it was insane. I think he was in the double digits. I think so too. Speaking of uh, quarterback fumblers, how about that uh, Darnold? Oh, is this my? Are you asking me to come in on Darnold? I'm trying to invoke your state pride. (laughs) Wait, real quick. Real quick. Eighteen fumbles. uh... Wait, not only 18 fumbles, but I just think it's funny. There's a video on YouTube that says all Daniel Jones fumbles from the 2019 NFL season, and it's 6 minutes and 37 seconds, which is absurd. All right, sorry, continue. Sam Darnold, New Jersey. Yeah, I'm just trying to poke the New Jersey bear over there. Yeah, because I don't like the Jets because their fans are annoying, but – yeah, I, I, there's really nothing much to say other than he is another guy that makes some boneheaded decisions where you're just like, dude. But I do feel bad. He has nothing around him, so hard to hard to t- judge. He's got Trevor. He's got DT. He's got Adam Gates. Two of those three people are gone. But yeah. Wait, what? DT is Adam. That's Gates the fired? one guy who's there. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Trevor. Trevor's. I think Trevor's career is done after that Miles Garrett ankle break. Yeah, that's what ended it. <laughs> oh, that's what that's that was the nail in the coffin. But they upgraded now because they have elite Joe Flacco as their backup. Wait, the Jets got Flacco? Yeah. Why did I think it was somebody else? And also not know who that was. Uh, what about Jake Fromm? At the, what do you feel about Buffalo? What's your relationship to Buffalo? It's just South Canada. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think of Buffalo whatsoever. <laughs> well, Aaron, that we've come to too many long pauses uh, over too much long pause time. Does that mean anything? Feels like we hit a a little bit of a brick wall here. All of a sudden. We got the blood sports out of the way, unless we want to talk about Garrett Bowles. I'm good. Yeah, I think we're wrapping up on time for everybody else anyway. Well, Aaron. All right. Well, Quellen, we want to join you. Uh, <laughs> please edit that. Quellen, we want to thank you for joining us. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry it turned into dogpiling at times. I'm not. I knew it was going to. We also knew it was going to happen. We've been shitting on him for like three weeks. Yes, all four of us. All four of us knew that it was it was coming. I'm still sort of sorry it happened. (laughs) It's all right. I I I was prepared. Hopefully, but yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, Fourteen. Thanks for staying up late for us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Anytime you need me to shit on a draft pick, I'll be here. Well, we got lots more draft picks. Uh, also, I'm up late, Aaron. Yeah, but you're always up late. Yeah, but you messaged me about how you, or us all, not just me, about how you stayed up till 7 a.m. finishing a puzzle the other day. Fuck you. <laughs> all right, and now to, uh, to, no, to I'm, I'm finish off little, the evening. To finish off the evening. I want to do my thing. Aaron, you never let me have anything.
I was going to toss it to you. You well, Why can't you just let me toss myself? Okay, go toss yourself. Um, this is without any, any... I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody, except for, except for good old uppercut. Um, fuck the police. Defund the police. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, Breonna Taylor. Um, or what are other the political topics going on right now that that's kind of cringy that anyone brings it up apropos of nothing? Yeah, all of those things. Um, I don't. I, I. I mean, I know nobody listens to this except for BD Porter. Um, but uh, shout out to our most loyal listener. Jesus Christ, I can't believe it. Um, but yeah, all of those things, and uh, Aaron, I toss it to you. All right, well, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure as always. Enjoy the sounds of uppercut chewing on carrots. It's a mukbang podcast now. Till next time. <laughs> <laughs>